0: Thanks again for joining me for another edition of March 4th with Mike Bauman. I, of course, am your host, Mike Bauman, whoever you are, wherever you're listening from. Thank you so much for checking out another episode of the podcast. And if you're a new listener, I appreciate you hopping on board the pirate ship. March4th.podbean.com is the host site. I just revamped it. I gave it a new look. You know, every now and again, folks, you got to step out on a nice... Nice new suit, some shiny wingtips, and let the world and the people know what you're about, okay? And I'm a man who handles his business. I don't know what that voice was. It's the end of the week. Cut me some slack, all right? But in all seriousness, I gave the uh, I gave the the website, the host site, a new look, a little bit more user friendly. I feel like it uh, transitioned well to mobile, you know, because that's something you got to think about. You know, when you do stuff like this, does it look good on desktop? Does it look good on mobile? And uh, from doing a little uh, little you know, finagling. It, it looks it looks good at least on uh, Google Chrome and on and on my phone. I got an Android phone, so hopefully it looks good on your phone. But I got a little bio section on there, so if you're interested, you can read about my crazy self and how I got to this point. And I also got a uh, little portfolio page on there. So for those of you who are interested and are really like into the music stuff, there's some links to previous feature work that I'm that I've uh, that I've written. If you're curious. I actually stumbled upon a story today searching for some emails uh, that I wrote like 10 years ago. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I've never actually like cleaned out my sent folder from my email. And it was crazy, man. I wrote this column and, uh, you know, about this this football game that I covered. And I was like, man, I really went after it. Uh, it's just funny when you stumble upon things like that randomly when the universe is like, do you remember this? And I'm like, "Yeah, the universe, I do. Thanks for reminding me that I'm a decade older now and uh, my abs are gone. Um, let's be real, Mike. The abs are gone because of the ice cream. See, this is weird. I got like a multiple voices thing going on here. Um, I will get the train back on the tracks, folks. But yes, march is the host site. Like I said, it's got a new look. You can always find the, the newest episodes there. Spotify, iHeart, Apple, obviously you're listening, so you found it somehow. And on that note, I would say, even though I'm not somebody who begs for attention and begs for likes and shares and all that kind of stuff, I will say that if you do enjoy the show, uh, I encourage you to like it, to share it, and, and to go on to Apple Podcasts and leave a review and um, you know write a little note because when you do that, it helps the, the podcast rank higher, and the ratings, and that in turn helps get the the music and the people and their stories that I share on this podcast out to to more ears and eyeballs, and ultimately that's what it's about, man. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't love doing it. But at the end of the day, man, um, you know, I'm coming from a place of genuinely being excited to share people's stories. That's truly why I studied journalism when I was in college, because I was like, man, if I get to be like the middleman between somebody and their story and, and being able to, you know, in, a, in an interesting and accurate and truthful and honest way, share it with, with the world. And that might in turn help somebody or inspire somebody or entertain somebody. That's what it's all about, man. So if you feel so inclined, if you're digging the podcast, uh, I highly encourage that you tell a friend that you like it, you, you subscribe to the, to the podcast and take, take some time out of your day. Um, to to rate it in apple podcasts and we can we can continue to keep doing this puppy uh and we can continue to to help get more music out and more more stories out uh, for the people on here who aren't musicians to more people and and help inspire people man so it might sound a little crazy it might sound a little idealistic but uh, that's my vision for the show man so i'm giving you guys two episodes a month right now on saturdays and uh, I want to keep doing that, So, and I'm going to keep doing it as, uh, as long as I love doing it, and I'm loving doing it right now, so thank you so much, everybody. And on that note, now that I got all of the selling stuff out of the way, this week's show features an artist from where I grew up in Northwest Ohio. His name is none other than Aaron Konwinski, guitar player, singer. Uh, those of you listening who are familiar with his work may know him from the band In Theory, you know, played played some cool shows over the years with the likes of Foreigner. Um, they won a couple of Battle of the Bands contests. And actually what was really cool for me, being from Toledo, being a hockey fan, growing up going to Storm Games, is that, you know, when the Storm went away and then, uh, you know, we didn't have hockey for a couple of years as they were building the Huntington Center and the ownership group of the Mud Hens, I believe, purchased uh, the rights to the hockey team and then, you know, brought back hockey in Toledo with a new name, the Toledo Walleye. Um and the Huntington Center was built I think in two thousand nine in downtown. In theory, who Aaron played in, uh, had a song called Suit Up and it became like the theme song for the Toledo Walleye. You can actually find it on YouTube and, and I'll probably, you know, I'll I'll well, I'll share I'll share the link in uh in the podcast description for this episode. But it was really cool just to see like a a song really embody like the spirit of the team and everything and uh and yeah, like I said, they they played some cool shows over the years, and um, this is a guy that uh, has always been kind of in my wheelhouse, you know, just in terms of hard rock and guitar. And uh, our moms actually used to work together, so excuse me. So he's a guy that uh, you know has is, is been in the periphery for a while, and it was fun to finally you know get him on the podcast and. Anytime it's somebody from my hometown, I'm sure as you guys are aware, I, I love to, to shine a light on them and, and what they're doing because there's just, there's so many talented, cool people out there, man. And, you know, even though I got to a point where where I needed to move on from Toledo in terms of uh, starting a new journey somewhere else the way that I did almost five years ago now, it's always going to be my hometown. Uh, I, I, I truly, you know, miss and love all my family and friends that are still there. And through all the highs and the lows that I went through uh in, in, in town, you know, trying to grow up and just become a a dude figuring things out on this spinning ball going through space. Um, I got nothing love but love for, for the people uh who I still have back home and for the Toledo music scene. So it's truly a pleasure to to help, you know, get their music and their voices out to more people and Aaron, as you will hear, is just a really down-to-earth, cool dude. We covered a lot of stuff, and uh, as usual, I I went a little bit over the time (laughs) that I said I was going to keep him because I just had so much fun talking with him. So without further ado, I'm going to shut my big yapper and give you guys my conversation with Aaron Konwinski. Here it is. Thanks for taking the time, man. I've um, I've been aware of you for a while because obviously our moms used to work together at St. Luke's. Um, I've definitely, uh, you know, growing up in Toledo when when the walleye came back with the Huntington Center, or I should say when they kind of the storm went away and the walleye came in with the Huntington Center. Uh, and obviously you you were in in theory and had the the big suit up song, which they play before every game and everything like. I've definitely been, uh, you've been on my radar for a while, man, so um, getting my podcast going again, now that I'm in Tennessee, I, I still always like to to feature people from back home who, who are into music as well, so uh, it's, it's cool to finally get you on here, man, thank you for taking the time.
1: Oh, yeah, thanks for having me, man.
0: As a, as a place to kind of start with you, man, um, you know, obviously you're a guitar player, you sing, uh, you have your covers, uh, YouTube channel. Um, you were in in theory, and, and obviously played original music. What what was the first thing that really liked grabbed you musically? Like, do you do you remember your first musical memory, or what got you into it?
1: Oh yeah, um, I, my my parents, you know, were always into music. When my mom plays keyboards um, and sings. My dad plays drums. So that's my first musical memories is is them playing in bands and stuff and be going over to grandma and grandpa's house for the night so they could go play a gig or um and that's kind of how they met too was playing music so um that's my first real memories you know hitting that age you know 12 13 14 and you know beatles were always always around my house but uh that's when i really got i don't know tipped to them about the time the uh, beatles anthology was on tv and I got real interested in them. And then, of course, the 90s, um, all that music was really big to me. The, You know, the two that really got me wanting to play guitar were ACDC and Metallica. Um, when I heard those two and learned a couple of riffs, I was like, oh, yeah, I got <laughs> to. It's going to be lifelong, you know. And then um, all that 90s stuff, you know, the Green Day and Weezer and Uh, stone Temple pilots nirvana and all that stuff that's kind of what really hooked me that that time frame
0: (laughs) right on man so they were they were big beatles fans
1: oh yeah yeah my uh both my parents but my dad especially he's he's a beatles freak and (laughs) that's where i get it from (laughs)
0: So what? What about their parents? Were I mean, were were they the types that sought out music on their own, or, or were your grandparents also musical people? No, not really at all.
1: Any any of them, <laughs> other than you know maybe singing in church. You know, it's
0: yeah. <laughs> so who who introduced you to the Metallica and ACDC, or was that just that was that just growing up as a kid and like hearing it on the radio?
1: Um, that was kind of. Uh, you know, I was aware of them before I started playing guitar, but um, that's when I get, really got interested in, you know, Enter Sandman was one of the first things I learned, like you know, a million other people, you know, Small on yeah. Older and uh, TNT, and these are all like one-note versions. Totally not, right? <laughs> but, you know, it's <laughs> like, oh, that's how this works. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> When I was really young, my parents got me a a little acoustic guitar, it was when I saw Back to the Future, I wanted to play guitar like Marty McFly, and they bought me this little... Yes. <laughs> yeah, they bought me this little acoustic, and it was just not... Uh, I couldn't do that with that little acoustic. You know? I couldn't play Johnny Be Good and kick over yeah. my hand. <laughs> uh, so it, was, it wasn't until a few years later when I uh, got a couple doors down, Jason, he got, he got a little Fender Squire, and amp and taught me those couple of riffs and I was like, Mom dad, I need a guitar. <laughs> I think I went I think I went home and got my dad's acoustic art and started messing with that, but I wanted to play electric at first. I mean that was that was what really made me want to play guitar. I, you know once I got older I really got into acoustic playing then too. I actually prefer that now but but I still love playing both. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. You hear a lot of artists, too, say that, um, you know, bands that I listen to and stuff, even like Alter Bridge, that that a lot of times if they're doing, like, a song, it'll start on acoustic. Like, they'll just start kind of playing around on the acoustic and then take it over to electric.
1: Yeah, yeah. That happens with me a lot, too. And it's weird. I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes it's easy to hear where a song's going to go like that, you know, how you could played as a full band and you know in a rock type style. But uh then sometimes also playing on acoustic just makes you play it different, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, so did you did you take a lot of lessons when you <clears throat> when you started playing like electric guitar in Toledo or did you just kinda teach yourself?
1: Yeah, I took uh, I took lessons pretty pretty much all the way through high school. Uh oh. I started right before high school, the summer before, and um, I think it was kind of on and off junior and senior year more so, but but it was pretty you know solid you know weekly the the two years before that. I really you know I'd take songs in that I wanted to learn, and that's kind of how I learned. I did not you know learn a bunch of theory and that kind of stuff. I wish I knew more of that. And I'm kind of starting to dabble a little bit now, trying to. Get a better grasp on it, you know. Um, but I just I love playing, you know. And that's kind of what that's kind of how I learned learning learning how to play a lot of different songs. Like I oh, I like this song, oh, I want to learn how to play it, you know. And um, you learn a lot of different techniques that way too. And then you kind of develop your own thing.
0: Yeah. Who did you take lessons with when you were when you were in high school? Um, I took them at
1: uh, Durdell's music um which just closed man that place is great and did um, it really yeah yeah it just shut down uh, this past summer
0: oh geez
1: yeah but then you know they were retiring and stuff I, you know they were ready to retire and live a good life you know we all dream of yeah. one day <laughs> it was a great place i you know i wish it could just stay open you know so maybe somebody else buy it and take it over it didn't happen that way um, so I took lessons there um, from a guy named Desi Serna, um, which I'm not sure where he's at. He does a lot of, uh, like, guitar education stuff online now. Um, and uh, Scott Williams, who he still plays around town. Um, who's he playing with? He plays with Caveman a lot. I, he's got a couple bands. and kind of drawing a blank right now on the names, so. though
0: yeah when i when i started out and i'm I, you know i'm like a bedroom guitar i just noodle i wouldn't even call myself a guitar player i don't even think i classify as a as a novice guitar player but when i first picked it up when i was 19 i always loved music um and neither one of my parents are like musical like my mom's into music but she's not like she doesn't sing or play stuff you know but it was kind of a It was a fun house to grow up in because she was really into like the 80s kind of pop and like new wave stuff, big into like the police and talking heads. And then but she kind of got into some of the early 90s stuff like she she liked Pearl Jam. And then my dad was very much um, my dad was very much classic rock, you know, a lot of Clapton um, was in the house growing up a lot of tom petty was in the house growing up so that's that's what i remember um he had this album called road to zen i'm trying to remember who who that artist was um but he had this album road to zen that he would play sometimes and then he he kind of got into some of the 90s stuff a little bit too like he had the allison chains unplugged which is to me like that unplugged record is so awesome i mean uh uh but he had that he had a. Uh, Candlebox, uh Collective Soul. So he he got into some of the the 90s rock that was kind of in our wheelhouse. Like I was born in 88, so like when uh, I'm 32 now, so you know the explosion of sort of like the the Seattle scene, you know, which came to be known as grunge, right? With Nirvana, Pearl Jam, you know, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, like that in the mid 90s was still really huge and my my big brother is uh 6 years older than me. So that's how I kind of got into Metallica and stuff, because I like I wanted to be like him. And that's what he was listening to. Um, so I actually didn't really even really discover and get into the the early Metallica. You probably can't see it. I got my, my master puppet shirt on right now, but I didn't get into like the earlier, thrashier Metallica till I was older, because when I was like eight years old, the big song on the radio was Until It Sleeps from Metallica, which was off of Load, you know, Um so i say all that to say like as you were coming up you mentioned the 90s and stuff i mean were there any um were there any albums as you were learning guitar like you mentioned uh you know acdc metallica but were there any like big albums that you were like man i i just want to learn either these songs or this this album did you ever challenge yourself like that when you when you brought songs in to to learn from guys
1: yeah um yeah it's funny you say you know Alice in Chains Unplugged that that was a huge one for me too that's my favorite Unplugged album I mean I love Nirvana Unplugged and Clapton but that Alice in Chains Unplugged that's one of my top probably five albums of all time yeah yeah it's amazing um yeah I would you know I would take a lot of ACDC and they would kind of they kind of got me into stuff too you know they'd uh be like you know check out this zeppelin tune like i remember that i remember scott he he let me borrow uh his led zeppelin 2 cd you know i had all of what 10 or 15 cds at the time you know i was starting to grow my collection and um you know he taught me to uh, bring it on home which i ended up playing yesterday i picked up one of my guitars and came on came on the radio when i was driving home like yeah i'm playing this let nice. me DVD, you know, and so I learned that, you know, I started getting into some, some Zeppelin stuff and learned like over the hills and far away. And, um, you know, I I'd, I'd taken Metallica songs, a lot of ECDs so I was super into them. I mean, I still love them, but you know, yeah. You know, my, um, you know, what I want to play regularly kind of changed, <laughs> but, um, you know, the nineties stuff, Stone of Pilots, like I remember learning plush, Um and just you know you you start getting into music and you hear all this stuff and you want to play all of it you know I want to learn all this and, and be able to do that and recreate that sound and um it's really fun it's still fun when I learn stuff you know um one of the songs me my mom and dad we we jam pretty regularly we try to get together like a once at least a once a week when I'm off. Um, which I work every other week, so it's kind of crazy schedule, but it is what it is, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, we get together and jam once a week, and uh, we've been doing the song "Hey Bulldog" by the Beatles, and uh, I learned that solo like note for note, and just like learning stuff like that, just just an iconic riff, or uh, just feel good to play, it, you know. It still excites me like it did, you know. Yeah years
0: ago yeah and that's and that's what it's all about man like me i i wasn't really uh musically inclined but i always was just drawn to it you know what i mean like i just i just i'm just drawn to it it's it's like i don't know it's like it you know you you think about the things uh like even people that i look up to musicians or you know actors or artists or whatever like you hear them say like i just feel like i have to do it and that's how you know if you if you really love something like you feel like you need it like if you didn't have it like it wouldn't be cool and music's always been like that for for me you know because even doing this stuff like I started out um with ambitions initially when I was in college of like being a sports writer and I still really love sports um but then when I was at Toledo Free Press I had the opportunity to start doing music features uh and like I said to that point I was I was always into music had been going to concerts and stuff and uh had had buddies in the area who played um still have friends back home in the the toledo music scene and so that was really cool to get the opportunity to uh to start doing that so um so yeah i think it's i think it's cool to hear that somebody like yourself who's been playing guitar now for a long time and and has musical parents that like it's still exciting to figure out new songs and new tunes and and learn you know different aspects of the guitar you know
1: yeah it's, it's uh you said you know you can't imagine life without it i can't i mean you know i always tell people that was the best decision i ever made was picking up a guitar and learn how to play it and it's a lifelong friend you know you're never you know you're never as good as you can be there's always more to learn um, and room to grow and playing with different people man when I really started playing with different people, that's when I started to get a lot better. And I would tell anybody that's, that's, you know, learn to play guitar, play with as many people as possible. Cause you, you learn a lot.
0: Yeah. <laughs> when did, when did you first, when did you first start playing live? Do you remember your first, like your first show in front of people?
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was weird. You know, I, I played, I played one time with, uh, my friend's band. They're called strict nine at the time, but the guys that I ended up being in, in theory with, uh, playing, playing on stage with them one time, playing TNT with them when I was, you know, 14 or something. And, you know, it it was this backyard party, but it, it was a good party. They'd had big stage built, you know, they had a nice sound system out there. It was, it was kicking. And, uh, Playing TNT with them—that was my first, you know, experience playing in front of people, and felt good. You know that adrenaline rush is <laughs> it's something else. You know, <clears throat> um, so that was my first experience. I did—I don't know—a few solo acoustic gigs, you know, early two thousands. But then the, my real, you know, times on stage and playing in front of people is when I got going with In Theory. Um, that was the beginning of 2007. Um, that I started playing with them, and it just it kind of exploded after that. Really, it was it was so much fun. You know, they had a lot of songs when I came into the band, um, so I had a lot to learn and kind of catch up on. Um, but then we started writing some really cool songs too, and and recording them. So um, that was when you know my stage days really took off within theory
0: so how how old were you in 2007 when that happened
1: um, like how many
0: how many years have you been playing playing guitar at that point
1: um uh, probably i don't know 10 years ish at that point okay so it was like yeah beginning 2007 yeah. Uh, maybe 11 or 12.
0: Yeah, because I, I, you sent me your YouTube channels, uh, your, for your covers and uh, the one for In Theory, and I went back. Like I said, obviously I was familiar with Suit Up. I mean, I think everybody who who listens to this is going to be familiar with that one. Um, and, that, and that really was just a really catchy, well done, like anthem. Because I'll be honest with you, man, when I was at Storm Games, you know, growing up, uh, you know, for people listening to this who aren't from Toledo. If you've ever seen the movie Slapshot, like, you know, I, I think it was more tame in the 90s when I was coming up. But hearing stories from my dad about like the Toledo Gold Digger days back in the 70s and stuff, he said it was like that movie. But they would always play, you know, hockey games and stuff. They'd always play rock. They'd play metal. They'd play Enter Sandman. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, Scorpions, like they 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 would play all that stuff. And then. Kind of around the turn of 2000, they started playing more like pop and stuff like that. Like, I'm not going to name names because there's pop stuff that I like. But um, so it was cool to me that um, when they had the the walleye at the Huntington Center, obviously you want to make it more family friendly than probably the atmosphere, than than the sports <laughs> arena. But it was cool to still have like a rock song be like the theme song of of yeah. the of the hockey team. You know what I mean? Just that sport and just kind of Toledo hockey and what it means to people like. Nothing against any other genres, because I'm fan. You know, I'm a fan of you know old school hip hop. I am a fan of some, uh, you know, some pop. I'm into like smooth jazz and uh, post rock stuff, and even a lot of the synth wave stuff. I'm, I'm I'm interested in you know listening to stuff while I'm while I'm working, because um, I I you know work uh, on a computer all day. So, you know, I'll listen to podcasts and music while I work. So. I don't want to be disparaging of other things outside of rock, but it was really cool to me that uh, you guys really seem to capture the vibe of like the Toledo hockey scene with that song, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's, it's such a trip, you know, going to those first games, you know, and being being in there when the lights are off and, you know, they start going crazy and they're playing that song and team comes out on the ice, man. It was, it's kind of surreal. It was, like man that's my good, that's the guitar i recorded you know a few months yeah ago.
0: <laughs> it was a trip yeah um, and the other songs that you guys had been on that channel uh you know what went wrong pointless um like you said i mean there there was uh some really good stuff in there i mean what what was that time like within theory kind of in like the you know the the mid 2000s and, and like early two thousand tens as you guys were were playing all those shows. Cause you you guys what? You opened up for Foreigner because I want I want to get into all that, man. Like you opened up for Foreigner. You guys played uh was it the red white kaboom like the Fourth of July yeah. thing? I mean there was a yeah, lot was of gigs like,
1: in <clears throat> Yeah, we played um yeah down the red white kaboom a few times. Um a couple times we're just, you know, our gigs open and for somebody they'd always have some kind of tribute band down there, Ewell's Tribute, or whatever. Yeah. So a couple times we were for that, and a couple times we were actually for that Blade Battle of the Bands, which is how we ended up getting those gigs opening for Foreigner. did um, him, Peter Frampton, and uh, the Nuge, Ted Nugent. <laughs> so that was interesting, you know. <laughs> um, we uh, And then we did one with Bret Michaels there, and another one with Nugent. The first one with Nugent was better. This, the second one, he started running his mouth quite a bit. And <laughs> I was just like, just play string the whole man. You know, um, <laughs> I don't care. Just play great like Buffalo, and please stop that. <laughs> uh, but it, they were great fun, you know. I mean, playing for a crowd like that. Um, I think it was the year we opened for Frampton we had gotten our CD recorded and gotten the copies like the show before that we did a show at uh, Harley Davidson with Jackal. We got our CDs right before that one. So, I mean, we sold a ton there and that the rib off, I mean, just the, uh, getting to play for a crowd like that, that we wouldn't have otherwise and getting our music out there too. Ears that, it, you know, would have never fallen on. And, you know, a lot of people really liked it and, you know, coming up and getting CDs and shirts and all that kind of stuff. It was just like perfect timing, you know, you had to have some kind of product to, you know, for people to put in their hands, you know, yeah, <laughs> going with them. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool experience. <laughs>
0: So opening for like the Nuge and Foreigner and stuff. I mean, did did you guys have to um, like showcase for them? Like, do they have to sign off on it? Or since the the Blades putting it on, do you you just you win the contest and you get on the bill?
1: I think that they still had to clear it with, with okay. the band management or or whatever, you know. But never had a problem problem there, you know. No. Always ended up opening for them. <laughs> never were they never... were they cool?
0: Were was like was foreigner? Like did you guys get to spend any time with like Nugent or foreigner any of them?
1: No, you never see any of those guys. Man, they're just. Oh really? Yeah, they're stuffing their tour bus or whatever. You know, <laughs> I mean, they you know they get you know their texts and stuff setting everything out. You know, setting everything up so you know they don't have to come up there till tell showtime you know but yeah great experience you
0: know well and it was it was it was it uh 2000 um was it 2010 that the uh that the the record came out with in theory
1: yeah yep
0: but yeah i was just uh just to build on that you mentioned uh putting out the record what what was that uh experience like um where did you where did you guys record and, and do that album
1: um we recorded it up in uh, ann arbor big sky um studios um with greg leonard and uh chuck mock chuck records in toledo still today he's got a uh studio called happy hands um i don't know if Big Sky is still open or not but but it was you know real good studio i mean we got a really great sound up there i mean those guys did a great job um yeah, it was, it was a cool experience. You know, it was my first experience in the studio. The other guys had done some stuff in the studio before. Um, but it was my first experience, so, you know, you kind of can't help feeling a bit nervous, but, you know, I just, you know, I played the shit out of the songs at home and made sure that I went in and was prepared because, you know, you don't want to get in a studio and be wasting time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: It's you know you, you hear about you know big bands doing that and stuff and just blowing these astronomical now it's like what's wrong with you guys just get in there and do it you know <laughs> play the song <laughs> like, you know a year later they're still tweaking stuff you know yeah. I guess we don't we don't have unlimited funds though either <laughs> was it was it cool to actually
0: yeah. put something to to tape like that what's that Was it cool to actually like, uh, you know, to put something like record something like to tape like that and then and then listen, listen back to it after years of like playing guitar and playing live shows and stuff?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, It was it was kind of I don't know, it was really cool to watch the guys that were recording us and kind of, you know, as you would hear them mix stuff and, you know, adjust levels and things like that and listening to it fit together um so you know we we did a lot of, you know way a lot of bands do it you know we go in and have us a, a scratch guitar track you know just a rhythm track the basic song and and then get the drums down and um from there you know they they'd add the other stuff you know bass and lead guitar parts or any other guitars vocals harmonies just kind of to listen to all those get added in and then, you know, mixed together the right levels is, it's pretty neat. <laughs> it's, that's something I'd really like to get into. I got some recording software. I'm still in the very early ages <laughs> of uh, learning it, you know, but it was a cool process. Was that
0: the, um, the, the, uh, the album a day within range? Was it, was it that record?
1: Yeah. Yep. You know, yeah, it's that one. We did a EP too It had uh, four new songs on it and then we put um we put suit up on there too, <laughs> of course. Um but we did that here in town at Chuck's studio at Happy Hands recording studio. Um and you know, we got a great sound there too. Uh, it's always a fun process, you know. Is song. it
0: still is it still online anywhere, Aaron? Like can people can people stream it anywhere?
1: Yeah, um, I believe in you know there uh the reverb nation page is still there. So if you know you go on reverb nation, and search for N Theory, you'll come yeah. across Toledo, Ohio. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's got all the songs on there, um still. So yeah, the the
0: um You know, going back to, like, Suit Up, um, that song, I mean, I I think one of, like, one of the YouTube channels that I found, I think it had something like 63,000 views or something like that. Like, do you ever, you ever see anything like that? I just think, like, holy shnikes, like, we we really, like, got to all these, all these people with this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, I didn't really, you know, that's, that's pretty cool, because I didn't know that, so... (laughs) Thanks for that info. That's that's pretty neat. um Yeah, I mean, you know, I do think think about you know, them playing it in the arena and you know, all those people hearing it. You know, over the years, it's ten years now. You know, almost. yeah, it was two thousand ten, wasn't it? The wall I started up. Yeah, I think two thousand nine, two
0: thousand ten was the first the first season back after hockey was away. I think for a couple of years in Toledo.
1: So ten years they've been playing at that, <laughs> playing that in the stadium every every game. You know, it's it's kind of a trip to think about. Really, it's cool. I mean, I, you know, I'm I'm glad people like it and stuff. And hey, you know, I still remember coming to practice uh, that day. How that all came about was um, our singer Dave worked for BC- BCSN. And I don't know, he caught wind or one of the guys he worked with caught wind about them, you know, being interested in having some kind of song for the walleye to come out to. And Born, Dave Bourne, he's an awesome songwriter, I mean, guitarist, musician, just all around. Um, and he would do that, man. He would come in with an idea pretty fully realized, you know. Um, you know, with rhythm guitars, you know, he come in with, you know, his vocals backing, you know, harmonies and stuff like that. Um, And that's how it was with that song. You know, he, he kind of, you know, got, got wind of that and came up with that song pretty quick. And we just came over to practice one day. He's like, Hey, I got a new song. (laughs) And taught us it all. And we're like, all right, let's play it. And we all kind of, you know, adapted it a little bit to our own playing style obviously but um that was pretty neat
0: (laughs) do those guys still still jam do you you still jam with them at all
1: yeah um i'm actually supposed to be getting together with born tomorrow um jimmy the other guitar player i've gotten together with him a few times done like you know acoustic campfire jams um but, um, you know, I haven't seen much of anybody this year. <laughs> yeah. Long, yeah, I know. Long year.
0: It's been a crazy year. How are, I mean, how are you holding up? You mentioned your, your job, you're working like every other week and like, yeah. I, like, I, you know, from personal experience, like I, like, I think the first six, seven weeks from about mid-March to close to the end of April, like I didn't even see my girlfriend cause we live in different places. We were both trying to be safe. So you know, I mean, I, I'm somebody that does all right alone. But once you take away the ability to like go out and do things, it is really weird when you're just kind of staring at four walls because I was yeah. working from home and and we've we've kind of still been working from home at my my job where, you know, we'll like go in one week and then the next week we'll be um, at home, you know, then we'll go to the office and so forth. But uh, but yeah, it's 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 uh, it is definitely strange times. I mean, did it? Did it uh make you, you know, get more into music and playing the guitar and stuff? Or, I mean, how how is it? How are you kind of navigating it now after sort of, I guess, what seven, eight months now?
1: Yeah. <laughs> just doing the best I can, you know. It's, it's Yeah. It's it's just it's unbelievable, really. um You know, it's disappointing. <laughs> but, you know, our world has kind of gotten itself in this position, but. Um, this year, you know, it, it did get me into playing more. You know, I, I started out doing some, uh, some of the live streams on Facebook. You know, everybody started doing live streams, and I was like, you know, that looks like fun, and I don't know. I I really enjoyed watching, you know, all my friends around town play, and um, and it's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do some of those, and, Give some people something to watch you know some hopefully some songs that I like to listen to and and I really have been productive writing um, through this um, maybe not so much the first month or so but beyond that um, I got a new guitar this year and that really kind of sparked my inspiration too um, it's got me playing a little different. Um but like I've been writing a lot of songs. Um, now, I'm, you know, the world just needs to go back to normal so I can get, get together with some people and <laughs> start a band with them, you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it's been kind of it's been kind of cool to see um like you mentioned the live streams that people are doing and also some of the stuff that people have been able to do like remotely. Um, you know, bands that I listen to you know, guys doing stuff like across the country and then putting it all together and doing a cover and stuff. Um, it's, it's been cool. It's been cool to kinda, to kinda follow that online. Cause, cause yeah, man, like, I like I've had days here where I'm like, man, thank God for like YouTube and stuff. You know what I mean? To have like people still putting that's that, that kind of stuff out there, whether it's YouTube, Facebook or Instagram living, uh, you know, these songs. Um, so I, I hope, I hope that's sort of the positive that's come out of a lot of the negative. Is, is, uh, I hope people creatively have used that time to kind of get into whatever they want to get into, whether it's cooking or music or whatever, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. gotta be something stuck inside, man. You know, it's go crazy doing nothing. Like I said, that's another, another reason I'm glad I got that thing, man. It's, you know that guitar's got me through some tough times, and it'll get me through twenty twenty it'll you know <laughs> it'll be all right
0: yeah so what what is that acoustic you got there hanging up for people when they listen to us?
1: oh, that's a taylor that's a taylor three ten c e um which i got i got that in two thousand seven, but it's a two thousand two so it's almost twenty years old um but that is oh wow that's i mean my favorite guitar i love that thing <laughs> that is, i just put some new strings on it i got a gig uh saturday night so it's like i need some new strings on this
0: <laughs> oh cool where are you where are you playing man
1: oh i'm playing at Levi and lilacs it's uh in mommy um Ryan River Road. Uh, it was Degage Jazz Cafe previously. Um, yeah, Levi and Lilacs is a whiskey room. Got killer burgers. They are so good. Next time you're telling you, you should go there and get one. Jalapeno Popper Burger, man. It's-
0: oh, definitely. <laughs> that sounds amazing right now. Uh, yeah. What, what's the What's the new guitar you got this year?
1: Oh, uh, Fender Jazzmaster. And I... um. I bought it online I bought it on uh, Reverb which I don't know if you have ever checked that out it's it's basically uh, eBay but only for musical instruments
0: Yeah and,
1: yeah it, it it can get pretty addictive surfing and looking at stuff <laughs> 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 like yeah one day you know <laughs> but um I wanted one for quite a while I I mean I've seen people through the years play him uh, you know Cobain famously played one that he modded with uh, humbuckers in it and, um, I always wanted one with the Jazzmaster pickups in it um, um, Sean Lennon has played one a lot through the years like when I saw him play with uh, uh, Claypool Lennon Delirium the last April he was playing like a Jazzmaster style guitar and um, some of the stuff I had heard him do in the past too I don't know I, I just it, that was a sound I really wanted to get and I've never been a big guy for like the tremolo trum- arms on guitars. You know, I've had Strats in the past, and just never really felt like I could get the hang of them. You know, but when I got that Jazzmaster, that really changed a lot. It's it's a lot different than the tremolo arm on a on a Strat. It's uh, it just feels smoother to me. Um, so you know. It, Using that a lot on it, but just the neck is is so nice, and in the tone from the pickups, you know, like with a lot of my guitars, it seems like you know I'll always have one pickup that's my favorite on them, and I don't quite like this setting as much as that one, and that's one of the first guitars that like you know all three you know selections on the toggle switch, like just the tones, and you can get out of it. A, really pleasing because i got it online you know i i heard him play before i've heard him on recordings before but you know it's like how's it gonna sound with my pedals and my amp and i was i was really pleased <laughs> when i got it i got it from a chicago music exchange on reverb you know their reverb shop and and it's awesome <laughs> threw a tortoiseshell pick guard on there and it's good to go
0: <laughs> oh nice man yeah, because some of the videos I've seen you play, you correct me if I'm wrong, but you've had uh, was it you you had a couple was it PRS? It looked like. Did you have the ple PRS guitars?
1: Yeah, yeah, I've got a um, PRS. It's a standard satin twenty-two. Um, actually, got I got a, that at Peeler Music when they were closing town. I got a freaking amazing deal. It was like it was like 20, 21 something. Like normally, and I think I got it for like. 50, 1569 or something like that oh wow so yeah it's i mean that's my favorite electric guitar i mean i i love all of my electric guitars for different reasons but if i had to play one that would be it i mean those things are just (laughs) immaculate. yeah they're
0: beautiful instruments man and like it's it's kind of crazy too because like i'm a huge uh like seven dust fan you know um and like clint lowry uh you know that 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 tone that they have you know him and john Connolly. to me they're like they're one of the more underrated guitar duos to me because i think if you listen to a lot of modern rock now like people who are into that music you know know what seven dust means to that genre but i feel like in sort of the you know the 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 larger scale i i'd i'd love to like that's one band that i always tell people about like i always tell people about alter bridge i always tell people about seven does cuz i just feel like they don't they don't get enough respect you know but um but yeah it's kind of funny to me now like um a lot you see a lot of heavy music uh heavy you know people who play heavy music whether it's metal hard rock or even just rock using prs and i feel like I don't know. I feel like they deserve some of the credit for that because um, I don't know outside of when I was coming up as a kid, um, you know, in the late 90s, like that was the height of like the TRL, you know, countdown and all that stuff. And, um, you know, when I would watch music videos, when back when MTV played music videos, like the guys that I saw playing PRS that were rock musicians, it was like um, Incubus. uh, Lincoln Park, um, Tremani when he was in Creed, uh, you know, and then ended up having his signature model and then, um, Clint Lowry from seven dust. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like, you know, and outside of those guys, it was like Carlos Santana was like, you know, obviously had his PRS right. And obviously completely different sound, you know, so it's kind of crazy to me now when you look at, a lot of bands um and, and musicians that I listen to, a lot of them play, you know, PRS with that heavy music.
1: hmm Yeah, they're I don't know what it is. You know, mine um mine has just it, it's super simple, you know, it's a it's a wraparound tail piece, two humbuckers, strings up the neck, locking tuners. I mean, it's just so stable tuning wise. Um The pickups sound great you know it's it's uh it's kind of weird it now i i actually just had this uh five-way knob installed back on it so you know you get the three different you know the neck the bridge or both in the middle but then that two and four spot are like coil split yeah so you can get a lot of different sounds out of it. Mine Like I said, it's a standard satin 22, and it's just mahogany, satin finish, like kind of a dark wood grain. Um, it's got a fat neck, uh, rosewood fingerboard. It's just so simple, but it sounds so good. And I think that, I mean, the reason those guitars work so for those dudes, uh, you know, like Tremaine, I know he plays one with like a maple top on it. Um, but they kind of have, they kind of got the Les Paul thing. But I feel like they're, they sound a little more articulate. <laughs> you know, you can hear the, the different, you know, the highs and the lows better than you know Les Paul maybe gets a little muddy um, sometimes, whereas. Those Paul Reed Smiths with those tabs, man, they just they sing.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I've I've heard Tremonti say, um, um, you know, obviously he's he's a you know a, a big guy for them uh, with with you know all the Creed, all the records they sold, and and obviously Alter Bridge and what they're doing. Um, but I I think I heard him say in an interview how he talked about how like you know Paul Reed Smith, like his style is not like the heavy you know, music and stuff like Paul Reed Smith himself. And so it's just kind of, you know, to your point in, and, you know, being a musician yourself, you would know more than this than me, but it seems like even though that's the case, those guitars are just built really well to have that kind of versatility and to be able to sustain, you know, lower tunings. And, um, you know, cause even, I think it was Mike Mushock from stained had like a baritone, I think for <laughs> like for, for what they would do back in the day. So, Yeah, I I always thought that they were like gorgeous, and like in fact, the first guitar that I got was actually from Peeler Music, um, and it was a Schecter, and I still have a Schecter now, and it's the C one body. But um, I was nineteen, so it had it had like EMG uh, humbuckers in it, uh, EMG HD humbuckers, which sounded really good. But part of the reason that I got it was because like the the inlays were, like, Mother of Pearl, like, bats. It was, like, super, super metal-looking. Um, but I thought, like, oh, this is kind of... And it wasn't that uh, that Les Paul shape that that Tremani plays, but I just felt like, oh, it's kind of cool because it's, like, PRSs have the birds, and these guys got, like, the bat thing on this. Um, now I just have a... It's a Schechter C1 Stealth, um, and uh, the neck is, like... I think it's, like... A, you know, it's not like bolt on, it's like almost like set in on the back. So, and it's all, it's a satin black color. So, I mean, I'm not soloing or anything like that, but, um, I, I just, it's the same, it's basically the same setup, except that it has, um, uh, like a, a a push pull knob so you can split the pickups as well. So, um, it's, it's a fun, versatile guitar, but, uh, but yeah, I, I just, um, you being a guitar player and being a musician and and seeing your live videos and stuff and seeing that you played a PRS, I wanted to ask you about that because it just uh, it it just seemed interesting to me that the guy who who runs the company, you know, has no been known for making these beautiful instruments and you hear somebody like Santana, but then you hear like a Seven Dust or a Tremonti, you know, and and they can do all these heavy things with the guitar, you know.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's I mean. <clears throat> You know, I I feel like you know people always kind of associate one one guitar with a certain style of music, or you know, like a semi hollow body with jazzy type stuff, or um, associate an SG with rock, or things like that. You know, a Strat maybe with blues, or but well, you can, you know. It, it's all on your fingers. I mean, your amp. I mean, the guitar makes a difference. Um, but if you got if if you got an electric guitar with two humbucking pickups in it, plug it into an amp and get some distortion on there. I mean, you can play rock, you can take the distortion off. You can play jazzy type stuff, you know. Yeah. It's all your and you know. I don't know. I, it, it is weird, though, too. You know, when I when I pick up my, you know, a different guitar, my Paul Reed Smith, you know, versus the Jazzmaster, it's, you know, it, it can change how I play, too, and what I want to play, or if I'm playing my SG, it make me play different, you know?
0: Uh, yeah, just, like, funny. having a different vibe. How, how <laughs> are the... Uh, so for the Paul Reed Smith... Um, did, did you just leave the same pickups in there um because you mentioned like the jazz master you have the, the the original pickups right
1: yeah yeah those are the stock um i try to keep most stuff stock um the paul Reesmith smith is is totally stock i i had taken that five-way knob out for a while because when i was playing with in theory i wasn't using those in between settings and it, it's kind of it's a little bit of a pain when you're playing live. You know, you're trying to switch real quick from the neck to the bridge, and you gotta click that click that knob five times to get there, or four times, whatever. It, it it was tough to be precise playing in a live environment with that. So I I took that out and had a toggle switch put in there for a while, um, and then just recently at the beginning of this year, right before COVID, I. I got that knob put back in and it's cool. It gives you, you know, it gives you some strat-ish tones um, with that coil split spot, so. Um, But, you know, for the most part, all my guitars are stock. Um, The only other electric I have different pickups in it. um, It's my 82 SG, the one I picked up yesterday. because that one just had really crappy pickups in it when I bought it. um, I got it really cheap. I got it for 400 bucks because of that. You know, no place would give this guy um, any more than like 4 dollars for it because it didn't have the original pickups. And it's a 1982 Gibson SG.
0: That's crazy. (laughs)
1: I'll I'll give you 400 bucks for it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You don't take my money. So I had to put different pickups in that um but i put good ones i put a angus young humbucker in the bridge i mean it's a 82 gibson sg i had to get the angus young humbucker for it you know
0: mm-hmm. heck yeah man
1: and, and i uh i put a seymour duncan jazz pickup in the neck on that one so it's it's real versatile
0: that's awesome dude well, before I let you go, Aaron, and thank you again so much for taking the time, man. This is awesome just uh, just uh, talking about, like, guitars and music and stuff, man. I really appreciate it. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, there's so much gear out there, but a lot of it just depends on how much time, you know, you spend with the instrument, and, you know, it's in your fingers. Like, everybody plays different. Like, you could play Understand Man, and somebody else can play Understand Man, and it's going to sound different because of the way you play. Um Eddie Van Halen, you know, sadly within the last, you know, I guess week and a half now uh, passed away. You know, he was a guy that was obviously known for, for being an innovator, uh, if not the innovator and, and really changing the game. Um, And I, you know, I've heard multiple conversations where he's talked about how back in the day, uh, which is crazy to think that there was a time where people didn't want to hear originals from Van Halen and that they played covers for so many years just to be able to do what they ended up doing. But you know, mm-hmm. his famous like Frankenstein guitar and swapping stuff out and constantly searching for tone. But just, you know, notoriously being a guy who um, didn't, you know, in the it, it, at least in the early years, use a lot of pedals and stuff because he couldn't afford them and was able to figure out all those things just with his hands. I mean, what 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 did he mean to you a, as a guitar player?
1: Um, Well, he was, I think, like a lot of people, the first guitar player that blew my mind. um I I remember distinctly listening to my mom she had the vinyl of uh their first album in uh, 1984 and I I remember listening to that first album just like everybody here in eruption for the first time and it was right around the time when I was really getting interested in playing guitar and just what the hell is he doing like yeah um and of course, you know, with him passing, I've been, you know, listening to a lot of Van Halen on Spotify. And, you know, I got those first six albums on vinyl and listening to those when I'm home. And man, just what a great band, you know, what, what an innovative guitar player. Um, I mean, just their band in general, the, the harmonies, all the vocal harmonies, like, uh, it's you know. I appreciate that stuff a lot more now than I did then. It, at that time, it was just having my mind blown by his guitar playing. But now I listen to some of this stuff and you're like, man, these guys were on a different planet. Uh, especially at that time, you know, the the '70s were kind of coming to a screeching halt. You know, Zeppelin was starting to starting to fall off. You know, Paige is getting too strung out. That kind of that kind of crap and you know, punk started coming in and then yeah, Van Halen, you know. It kinda came around when they needed to and I you know Hendrix will always be my favorite guitar player, but I don't think anybody really changed the game like Eddie Van Halen did. I just don't. <laughs> and I don't think anybody has since, you know, obviously the I would say the last really big movement in music, you know. Or seismic change was the grunge scene, you know, the '90s, that era. Since then, it's I'm pretty hit or miss, unfortunately for me. Anyway, you know, there's there's good stuff out there, but it's I feel like it's getting harder to find. I don't know, Van Halen, man. Yeah, I,
0: and I think there's, and everybody always talks about, you know, Van Halen with uh, with Roth or or Hagar, but, um, you know, la- last week, because um, kind of like what you said, I mean, since his passing, I've kind of like, that's what's kind of cool about music is it's timeless and it'll always be there. So the mark that they leave, you'll, it'll live forever, right? Um, yeah. But I went back and listened to the first Van Halen record, um, and then I listened to 5150, you know and um you know you talk about the vocal harmonies and stuff too i i you know to me that record is front to back that's an awesome record i mean summer nights is on there love walks in i mean there's a lot of really good you know dreams like um and on that one he's you know showing off on on the keys as well you know that's that's also really an awesome record so you know for people out there i hope i hope that they appreciate both both eras of that band because um you can kind of see the the evolution and, and David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar are just like both of their voices, like they were just both such great singers and, and personalities. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, obviously, like I said, I was born in 88. So I, you know, I wasn't around for, I, sometimes I wish I was born 20 years earlier. So I could have gone to all those awesome shows in the eighties, whether was you know, Van Halen or maiden or, Metallica, you know, all those Megadeth, just there, there was just so much happening, you know. Um, the police, you know, even even on the the lighter side of things, man. But uh, but yeah, fifty one fifty, I was like, you know, I, I would tell anybody, I to me, that's a, that's an amazing Van Halen album, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's, it's a shame, man. You know, I still. I don't know. Well, it was, it was this—the last time they toured with Roth, I, I, it was they were supposed to come to the Huntington Center. I want to say it was like 2012 or 13. I'd actually bought tickets to go see it. You know, they had been touring for a while, and they added a whole bunch of extra shows, um, which then they canceled. I want to say like within a month or something like that. Um, so I never got to see Van Halen a concert, man. Pretty- oh dang. Yeah, I bought I bought a ticket for me and my mom, you know, because she got me into them. You know, it was her vinyl records that I listened to that I was like, holy shit, you know. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, I forget if it was for Mother's Day or birthday or something. I bought these tickets. I'm like, we're going to go see Van Halen at Huntington Center, you know. And, <laughs> never happened. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <No>. dang, <laughs> Dan. <laughs> no.
0: I know uh, there's always those artists. Like, for me, my, my regret is not seeing... Um, Chris Cornell while he was here, you know, uh, Chris Cornell would have been, would have been awesome. And in fact, I think, uh, years ago when they came back, when Soundgarden came back, I think it was 2000, you know, 2012 as well. They, they had a new album and went on tour and it sold out like immediately. I don't think they came to Toledo, but they definitely came to Detroit and his girlfriend at the time tried to get his tickets and, and we, we couldn't get tickets, but, um, he's somebody I wish I would have seen live, you know, cause, I have so much more of an appreciation now that I'm older for Soundgarden too. You know, I, I can't remember I can't remember who said it. I don't know if it was uh, and I don't want to sound like name-droppy for people listening, but just, you know, for the sake of talking about music, I I don't know if it was Dave Grohl or who it was, but you know, a musician that kind of said he thought that um, you know, Soundgarden was almost like like this generation's you know that 90s era you know that that we've been talking about kind of like our zeppelin you know when you look at like the range of their sounds and kind of what they were doing like you know so chris cornell and soundgarden i wish i would have got to see live
1: yeah yeah he he was great i I didn't ever get to see um soundgarden and i really wish i would have i love that album that king animal i mean i thought that was a great album um And that was one of the, really the first 90s bands I got into was Green Day and Them. Like, I remember I bought Super Unknown cassette tape. Um, (laughs) So I was always always calling Kiss FM, trying to get them to play it. I wasn't old enough to know at the time that there was no way that they were going to play Black Hole Sun for me on Kiss FM, you know? I should have been calling (laughs) (laughs) 106.5. It just wasn't gonna happen, uh, so I bought the cassette tape so I could listen to Black Hole Sun whenever I wanted. <laughs> but um, I did get to see him with uh, Audio Slave twice, so that that was really cool. They did you know a couple Soundgarden songs. They did um, I'll Shine. So yeah, imagine Tom Morello playing that riff. <laughs> it was it was pretty killer.
0: That's nuts so who for so for you who who are your you mentioned hendrix um who are who are your other uh big guitar influences or or, or you know guys that you you looked up to either then or, or now
1: um i mean i would say overall hendrix is my favorite um just the feel you know the heart <laughs> you know he's he's probably my one of my favorite guitarists um uh, Jimmy Page, I would say, is right up there. Um, Dean DeLeo from Stone Temple Pilots has always been one of my favorites. Um, uh, David Gilmore, real big. Um, um, overall, artist Lennon is, you know, one of my favorites. Beck, uh, Lennon, and Neil Young, those are
0: kind of my three three guys. Yeah, yeah. And and beyond the guitar, I know I know I focused a lot on that just because I'm I'm kind of a nerd for guitar. I I just I've always been fascinated by the instrument. And you're a great guitar player. And I'm not just saying that because you you were kind enough to do the show. Like I've I've watched your clips and like I said the in theory stuff back in the day. But you know, we talked a little bit about your your YouTube covers channel. You're also a singer, too, man. And uh, you mentioned Neil Young. I watched the Harvest Moon cover, uh, the Foo Fighters uh, cover that you did, uh, the Led Zeppelin cover. You got the Beatles on there. So you kind of have a wide range of uh, covers you've been putting out. It looks like a, a lot of it, too, within like the last um, six months or so. So, you know, uh, tell me a little bit about that just in terms of uh, the singing and playing, too, man.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, that kind of all started, you know, due to COVID, (laughs) you know, Um, just, you know, started doing those live streams and I was like, shit, you know, I'm going to cut these videos up and put them on YouTube and, you know, just put them out there. Maybe, I don't know, some, even though I'm not, you know, I'm just playing the song sometimes I can watch videos like that on YouTube of people and help me learn things. Um, so, you know, maybe helps people that way, or they just, you know, just like the songs and, you know, like how I play them or something It's kind of all started out of boredom more than anything. You know, I wasn't, you know, doing the Facebook live streams. I wasn't, you know, I don't have, didn't have the PayPal or Venmo or any of that stuff. You know, I was just kind of doing it for, people's entertainment and you know my isolation and loneliness and being bored and stuck inside kind of kind of feelings you know and it's like I'll do this you know and hopefully people dig it and it was just kind of fun you know
0: um yeah anyway. i dug it man i i enjoyed uh like i said i'm i'm a neil young fan too um Uh, And and I dug the the Harvest Moon cover, you know, I mean, obviously, Old Man is probably like the, you know, the I I would say probably one of his big ones. But to me, you know, Harvest Moon, um, you know, Rocket in the Free World, like all like, again, another guy to me who from a from a a musical impact standpoint, like his voice, the way he sings, uh, being a killer songwriter, man, I mean, those. Those songs are pretty, pretty timeless. Like people will still be listening to those songs a hundred years from now, two hundred years from now. You know,
1: uh, and just the the versatility um, of him, like I said, the songwriter, the different styles, you know, directions that he's went in over the years, and never really followed, you know, trends or anything. He just kind of always did what he wanted to do, and that's kind of that's. I think why I like him so much and why I like Beck Hansen so much because they, you know, they always kind of just do what they want, you know, let the muse take, take them where they want. and (laughs) You know. know, it's always interesting, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, before I let you go, man, uh, if I give you some, like some quick hitters, um, if there's if there's like three albums that you could put in a time capsule, um, you know, for, for people in the year four thousand, what what are what are your like three or four albums that you would that you would put in there?
1: Um, well, gotta yeah, have Dark Side of the Moon in there <laughs> for me. Uh, Abbey Road. Yeah. the third one's tough. Um say Allison Chain's unplugged. Throw some nineties in there.
0: <laughs> if you could um if you could jam with with uh anybody or live or dead, let's let's say you're you're playing guitar and doing vocals and you get a, a bassist, a guitar player, a singer and a drummer, who who would those other people be? And
1: Dave Grohl Um Lennon. Bass. What do I want for bass? Flea? <laughs> uh, and Neil Young. That'd be an interesting band, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> sure. What will.
0: about um no, dude, no? That would be that would be awesome to see you with uh with Lennon and Neil Young and Flea. Yeah, that would be that would be insane. Um yeah and dave grohl yeah dave grohl on drums
1: be a yeah that's
0: right you put dave grohl on drums that's crazy um to have to have to have yeah can you imagine a rhythm section with flea and dave grohl that would be insane <laughs> that would be insane
1: yeah. um
0: if you if you were stranded on an island for a year and you only had like three records what would they be and we're just going to assume for the sake of the question that somewhere there would be some type of electricity on the island that you could listen to music.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I should go with double albums, right? Get more bang for my buck. <laughs> um, and I don't want to say the same album, so I'll go with The Wall, The White Album, and... Oh, there one. physical graffiti there we go <laughs> nice
0: <laughs> i'm still thinking about your i'm still now i'm still thinking about your jam band you lennon neil young flea and dave Grohl. that's yeah that would be insane that'd be a trip <laughs> that'd be a trip they all seem like cool uh people too you know what i mean like uh definitely all um and I'm gathering that from this conversation, too, that you respect the you respect like the originals, but also the kind of the kind of rebels that did their kind of pave their own path, you know, because I, I would say that's probably what all those guys have in common. You know, Flea is an original. He's a one of one. Neil Young is certainly a one of one. John Lennon, definitely one of one. And Dave Grohl definitely a one-of-one and i think just his personality too from i'm you know obviously i've never met the guy but just you know bringing people on stage and just seeming like a really cool down-to-earth dude in in addition to being an amazing songwriter i mean to have nirvana and then the life after nirvana with uh foo fighters them crooked vultures and the things that he's done is pretty crazy yeah
1: (laughs) the musical life that guys had is Pretty freaking amazing, you know. From playing in Nirvana to starting Foo Fighters to yeah, playing with Queens of the Stone Age and them Crooked Vultures and you know the the different people outside of those bands he's played with through the years. You know Paul McCartney and um, you know there's a lot. You were with up Zeppelin with. Uh, Jim ancient john paul jones and like man how cool is that like <laughs> uh, that'd
0: be that'd be pretty pretty fun <laughs> and then uh, the the last thing i'll ask you man thank you so much for for taking the time i told you to keep you an hour and, and i was a couple minutes late now i'm going a little over but um some, uh, some of your, your your favorite um your favorite shows that you've been to live uh like if you had like a top a top five in your lifetime
1: oh yeah oh gosh um my first concert was amazing um so i gotta throw that in the top five I, these probably aren't going to be in any kind of order but uh stone oh, Temple pilots at the uh the old sports arena with cheap trick opening up that was, one. <laughs> um, yeah, was that was
0: Oh wow yeah How how old were you
1: Um, 15, I think it was the summer after freshman year, so 15, yeah, um, so that was real cool, um, Rage Against the Machine, um, I saw them, uh, in 2007, god, that's another story, maybe for another day, (laughs) I I was, yeah. A lot of good concerts this summer, Rage Against the Machine being one of them. I did get to see them once um, at Alpine Valley out in, in Wisconsin um, with Queens of the Stone Age opening. That was that was really great. Paul McCartney, um, I saw him once, and that was phenomenal. Um, I saw Tom, Pe- Tom Petty once. That was amazing. So that's four... Oh, it's, it's tough. <laughs> I've been to a lot of a lot of killer concerts. Um, you ever seen th- a lot? Yeah, yeah, I've seen them three times. I was actually supposed to see them this summer. They canceled because of Petfield's um, rehab stuff. Um, and then the Chili Peppers took their place. <laughs> and the Chili Peppers are going to be playing with John Frusciante. And I, I was shit a brick. I'm like, okay, that's, I mean, I was disappointed I was going to get to see Metallic, but I'm going to finally get to see the Chili Peppers with John Frusciani. Yeah. That's, that's a good good band to take the place, you know, and, and you know, everything got canceled, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen damn near everybody that it, realistically I could see, you know, that's doesn't have deceased members or, you know. Seen seen a few times, I've seen Foo Fighters a ton of times, and Stone Top of Pilots, you know, Muse, Coldplay, I mean, just, I, I love concerts, so that's one thing I don't, just get, you know, <laughs> yeah. I live in, in all other aspects of my life, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go see dance when, when I have the chance, because, you know, you never know, you, You know, just like we were talking about earlier, Soundgarden, you know, and, you know, I had thought about going to that show, getting tickets to it, and then I didn't for whatever reason. That really kind of changed that for me, you know, I I was like, I'm never going to say, oh, I'll see him the next time around, you know, and so anytime somebody comes around, I'm I'm there now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I always tell people, man, like, uh like whatever your favorite bands are. Cause I didn't go to my first, my first concert wasn't until I was like 18 years old and it was my buddy, Andy uh, Langston. Um, uh, he played with uh, you familiar with like the grubs locally. He played with them for a little bit. Um, he was in a metal band. The first show mm-hmm. that I saw him in the band he was in was a band called inner sanctum, uh, like a hard rock band uh, in, in Toledo for a couple years. Um yeah and then he was in a band called eye of radio locally with uh with uh another friend of ours ray voss who we went to high school with but um but that was my first concert when i was 18. um and i been i've been pretty i've been pretty fortunate to be able to see uh, a lot of my favorite bands but there's there's still there's still several on the bucket list like i'd love to see foo fighters um I was really looking forward to uh trying to get tickets in Nashville here to see uh Gojira and um Deftones. Um I don't know if you're familiar are you familiar with Gojira?
1: I I've, I've heard the name but I'm not really familiar with their music or
0: anything. They're they're um from France uh um and and just I, I mean to me like you know, you you mentioned some of the new stuff. I mean, they're a ba- they've been around for a while. I think their first album actually might have come out in ninety six, but they in terms of breaking and kind of getting on a on a bigger scale, they actually were on tour with um when I saw Metallica it was in two thousand nine when Death Magnetic came out. That was I saw them. Um and they played um Where do you they two different was that?
1: where did
0: you see him at? Sorry. At Joe Lewis. Oh, I was there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: were you at
0: that show? Awesome. Man. Yeah. yeah, that was insane. So yeah. yeah, we were um we were like eleven rows from the floor and we oh. had aisle seats. Um and that was that was really cool because that was with uh, right around the time uh they they were doing uh which I know I think they do a lot now, not just Metallica but other bands, but where you can get like a digital download of the show so i still i still have that concert um but yeah they played with uh machine head and the sword and uh i wish i was more familiar with uh both of those bands i mean they both killed it i I still really enjoyed it but that was uh machine head was coming on they were on like the blackening cycle and that's one of my favorite like metal albums of all time the blackening is just so friggin heavy and awesome um and really, you want to talk about like a middle finger to kind of like what everybody was doing. I mean, they uh, Halo is an amazing just to me, like a piece of like like metal art. Like it's just an amazing song. And if you love guitar like that song is just so crazy. But, I, you know, they had songs on there that were like eight minutes. You know what I mean? They were just like, screw it. We don't care what people you know. But um, but at the other leg of that tour was Metallica, Lamb of God and Gojira and um and i think that's when they really started to kind of um you know get to a larger audience and uh, and in fact my brother brandon saw metallica in seattle 2 years ago um uh when hardwired uh to self destruct when that came out and they gojira was on that show too but uh but yeah if you're ever in the mood for some just just different heavy uh the you know mario the drummer's insane like they're they just sound like gojira to me like they they're they're a band that definitely has like their own vibe so if 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 you're having some difficulty getting into some newer stuff and you just feel like you need to listen to something heavy like i i highly recommend gojira man they're
1: awesome cool man thank yeah um, i'm always looking for new tunes man so
0: yeah, they're 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 amazing. And Pearl Jam was that was the other show I saw at the Joe, which is sad now that like there's three arenas that I grew up with three or four now that all in Detroit that are gone. But uh the the Joe was great for a show because it's just, you know, I mean, you were there. It's just like a giant bowl of 20,000 people, you know. And Metallica, they were in the round at that show. That was insane.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> the first uh two Two times I saw them, they kind of had a center stage set up like that, and that was the first time I'd ever seen a band do that. So that's pretty pretty cool. No matter where you're at in the arena, you know, you get just as good views, you know, anybody else pretty much. And yeah, I saw some good shows there, man. Yeah, it's it's sad to think about that, or you know, the Palace and the old Sports Arena, you know, here in Toledo. It's Saw a lot of good
0: shows in those places. Yeah, my stepdad told me uh some of the hearing loss he has in one of his ears is from seeing um uh I think he said it was David Lee Roth at Toledo Sports (laughs) Arena when when Steve Vai was his guitar (laughs) player. And he said back in the day he used to see like he was like AC DC open for like everybody when they were starting to break. So he he saw them, I think, at the sports arena. So I never got a chance to see a concert there, you know, because by the time I started going to shows, I think they that was like one of the last years of the storm was like 2007. So I remember when I was in like junior high, I wanted to go see like seven dust and Creed and like Kid Rock or something. And my mom was like, no, you're 12. You're not going (laughs) to I'm not you're not going and I'm not taking you. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Fighters, Foo Fighters is on the bucket list for me uh slipknot is on the bucket list for me i would love to see slipknot live uh gojira deftones um there's several out there i i I got to cross off a bucket list uh one last year uh when i got to see corn and allison chains down here i had seen corn live 10 years ago but that was before brian head welch was back in the band and just to see just to see him back uh and 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 just the the energy that they have on stage, and also Allison Chains, you know, getting to see all those guys play, uh, was was awesome because they they were a foundational band for me from the early you know 90s when I was a kid. They were one of those bands that got me into heavy music. Was Allison Chains, you know?
1: Yeah. It's funny you say those three bands. Um, it was the second rock on the range that I went to. The headliner was Slipknot. And then uh Korn also played that day, but it was when they didn't have Brian Welch and then um Allison Chains for that day. Oh day. <laughs> yeah. And one one big awesome kind of
0: <laughs> Do they still do rock on the range? Well, I mean I know concerts are kind of uh you know, like everything else is kind of everybody it's just on pause right now, but uh do they just call it something else now?
1: Yeah, it's called uh Sonic Temple.
0: Um, okay. Okay.
1: Um, And that's where I was supposed to see Metallica this summer. They canceled, and then it was going to be Chili Peppers. It was there at that Columbus Crew Stadium. Um,
0: Are they rescheduling it, Aaron? Do you know? Have they just kind of put it, like, so is your ticket still good for, like, 2021 or anything?
1: No, that one just got canceled altogether. Oh, okay. Yeah bummer um i still so it was pretty good lineup of concerts um i had tickets to see tool here in toledo at the huntington center um i had tickets that tickets for that chili peppers down in columbus the next day i had tickets to see foo fighters in detroit
0: (laughs) oh my gosh
1: yeah, my girlfriend and I, we were going to do this big, long road trip and go to all these, you know, go to the Grand Canyon and, you know, go to Yellowstone and all this, you know, and then COVID hit, so we we didn't end up doing that. We were going to get tickets to see the Rolling Stones on that road trip in Dallas at the Cotton Bowl. I never bought those. You know, COVID happened. I was like, oh, at least I didn't buy those ones, you know. Well, you know, when all this shit started, you know, you didn't think it was going to be going on eight months later you know
0: right right
1: but it is what it is you know and then uh the only two concerts that i still have tickets for um were supposed to be in july though they're supposed to be next july now is uh, that rage against the machine show and um guns and roses okay So hopefully they happen, you know, we'll see.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm hoping a year from now, things will be better, man. Uh, people, people do what they're supposed to do. And, um, you know, who knows on a vaccine and everything, but, um, I, have you ever seen a show at Red Rocks? My girlfriend and I got a chance to see it, um, when we visited Denver, like just to go there and kind of walk around and stuff. And that place seemed like pretty, pretty gnarly. Like I was like, that's. I'm like, whoever I see at Red Rocks, I just need to go to a show at Red Rocks. It seems like that'd be pretty cool.
1: That's kind of how I felt, too. Um, I went out to Denver. It was 2012. Um, I had a couple of friends, Pete and Sarah, that moved out there and went out and visited them and. You know, I mean, figure out where we we're gonna go. I immediately started looking who's playing at Red Rocks. You know, in that time span, because Pete and Sarah, I used to go to concerts together when they lived in town, and and I really wanted to go to a show there. I'm going to Denver. I'm going to Red Rocks. You know. Yeah. Um, so the first one that really caught caught my attention was Perfect Circle was going to be there that week, and I ended up seeing them. I don't know, maybe later that year, maybe a year later, um, up in Detroit. So I got to see them anyways. It was sold out, the Perfect Circle show there. So I was like, well, shit, who else is playing there that week? And um, it worked out because a band that um, Sarah had gotten me into, My Morning Jacket, they were playing there that week. So we got tickets to go see them there. and uh, So it was, yeah, it was awesome. I, I mean, I'd like... I'd like to go to another show there. Um, there's a place in, in Washington. Uh, me and a couple of friends, we, are, we have always talked about going to see Dave Matthews band play there. They play their Labor Day weekend, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, every year. And it's called The Gorge. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or, or seen I it. I think I have, yeah. Yeah, Google it. It's, it's a pretty sweet-looking venue. Just, river runs down behind it. I mean, it's just gorgeous so I want to get there someday too, but yeah, Red Rocks is amazing, (laughs) just,
0: yeah,
1: in general, you know,
0: because it seems like it's just like a natural, like, amphitheater, like, from, from looking at pictures, um, when we went and visited, like, we went down into, like, the little, uh, whatever that visitor center area is, and, Mm -hmm. um, looking at original pictures before they put in the, um, you know the steps and the stands and everything, and those two big rocks are there's just there, and you're like, "This is so crazy how this was just
1: here, you know, yeah. what a
0: great idea those dudes had, you know
1: <laughs> yeah. like yeah, you know, we should do something with this <laughs> this doesn't, <laughs> this doesn't just have to be rocks. <laughs>
0: well aaron uh i told you i'd let you go like 20 minutes ago and i've still kept you man so i will stop ranting it's been awesome um talking to you uh finally after after you know years of you know being on the periphery of all your music man cool
1: thanks thanks for having me man it's a lot of fun
0: all right aaron thank you so much for the time man i appreciate it have a a good rest of the night man let's stay in touch all
1: right sounds good take care stay safe
0: all right thanks brother all right cool all righty-dighty there you have it that was my conversation with the one and only Aaron Konwinski Aaron thank you so much for taking the time to do the podcast man I greatly appreciate it it was a lot of fun after all these years to finally get a chance to to catch up with you and talk about music and guitars and shows and artists and it was it was it was a lot of fun man I really appreciate the time and definitely keep in touch. And thank you to all of you for listening to that episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I will definitely be putting up the link to Aaron's YouTube in the podcast description for this episode. So definitely check that out. Everything from Led Zepp to The Beatles to Foo Fighters to Neil Young. A little bit of Harvest Moon action. I mean, uh, the, the guy's really you know giving you his diverse musical interests on his covers channel. And I think it's really cool that... He's using that as a as an outlet, not only for himself, you know, through these strange times and spending time alone and, and playing music and stuff, but also to connect with everybody out there and just, you know, get, give the music to the people, man. So, excuse me. Ooh, I didn't want to burp into the microphone, y'all. <laughs> Sometimes it, I, it always seems like whenever I record this stuff, I always get like the hiccups or I got to like itch my nose or something. And then I'm like, should I edit out? But hey, you know, I'm not perfect. Who is? But in all seriousness, man, please check out his music. Again, I'm somebody, uh, you know, color me a homer, man. I, uh, you know, again, I'm, a, I'm proud Toledoan, and uh, I got to a point where uh, it was time for me to, to, to move on and, and to, to go somewhere else and, and continue continue my life elsewhere and start down a new path. But I'm truly, truly thankful for for. Everything that I learned when I lived there and uh, I, I just I have so much love and respect for, for the musicians in the Toledo music scene and it's just It's got quite the history and there's still a lot of people like Aaron there who who are going out there and jamming and playing shows and you know Giving music to people so anytime that I can shine a spotlight on anybody where I'm from and what they're doing It's it's always a, a beautiful thing and the fact that he's just a down-to-earth good dude makes it all worth the while so Thank you again to Aaron. Thank you again to all of you. Again, you can check out the podcast, Speaking of Nose Itch. Ooh. It's sinus season, guys. Uh, March4th.podbean.com. As I mentioned in the beginning, I revamped it, so please check it out. If you like it, you know, share it, tell a friend, rate it if you want to take the time to do that. And yeah, man, positive vibes all the way around. Uh, again, I try not to get too preachy on this bad boy, but I just strongly encourage everybody, especially in North America right now. We're getting into cold and flu season. Please wear a mask, please social distance, please be smart, be good to each other. you know we we whether whether you're you know you look at life this way or not, we are all very tiny fish. In a very, very big sea, man, and uh, you know the way that we gotta get through things is to understand that whatever it is that we do has a ripple effect and an impact, positive or negative, on the people and the things around us and our environment and and each other, man. So, I think if we look at this thing like we're one small part and, and something so much bigger than ourselves, we'll get through the other side of this. You know, we've we've been through worse as a country. We will get through this, but we got to love each other. We got to be good to each other. We got to respect each other. And, you know, from everything that I know about this virus and, and, you know, my day job in healthcare, wearing a mask is the way to go. I know it's inconvenient. I know it's not the most comfortable thing in the world. But at the same time, at the end of the day, we we, will get through this, you know, in, in my opinion, from what I know, you know, take it or leave it. We'll get through this if if we do that, and we do it on a larger scale, and we just, you know, respect each other and social distance, so please be smart. Please be good to each other. That's as preachy as I'm going to get, um, and yeah, man, throughout the world, keep listening to music. It's, it's helpful during these times. Keep, you know, sharing music, and whether or not you have a podcast like me, you know, um, to your friends, to people who look at your social media, you know, if there's a band or an artist that you like, you know take a screenshot of the spotify or whatever you're listening to and be like yo check this out because you know your next favorite song could be out there and you might not know what it is yet so that's why doing stuff like this is really cool man i really like uh trying to shine a light on 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 people who are cool and doing their thing and, and aaron is one of those people so on that note i'm gonna wrap it up by saying keep the faith and be kind to one another like i say on every episode love you grant that's a tribute to him and uh Aaron speaking of uh sharing music with people he was kind enough to let me have a song that he's that he's worked on to give to all of you and it's and it's it's cool man cuz uh it's a personal thing you know as an artist when when you get to a point where you want to share it with people and, and 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 work on it and uh you know we've been communicating back and forth and i always you know again i don't want to be pushy about it cuz i'm like i know it's a really personal thing to to uh to finally you know, share that song because it's uh, it's something that came from them and their mind and, and his fingers on the guitar and his voice. But uh, he was cool enough to let me share this with you. So without further ado, here is Always There from Aaron Conwinski. Peace.